Good morning and happy Father's Day. I hope that you're doing well. Listen, you can turn to the book of Daniel if you want to. I hope that you have your Bibles, that you have a copy of God's Word. Listen, phones are great when you're out someplace and you need to make a reference, but a copy of God's Word in the flesh, in the real vents, it's a good thing to have, isn't it? It's a real good thing to have. And uh, so I hope that every Sunday that you not only just bring your copy of God's Word with you, but I pray that you'll open it. So you can turn to the book of Daniel. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to be there. Um, but happy Father's Day. We, we could probably start out by, you know, who got the, the biggest or the best or the brightest or the coolest Father's Day gift. But I won't go there because I know Mike Tucker probably already won that award. And so... Uh, isn't that right? Because the girls are home. When the girls come home, it's always a nice thing. But it sort of goes along with our theme today because we're going to talk about something that's really close to the heart. James, good to have you here today because I know this is right in line with where you are. This is going to really, it's going to drive home a point. But we are glad that you're here to celebrate with us. Pray for the, ch oh, you done got up and moved. <laughs> What'd you do that for? <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. I know, I know, it's not going to happen. Um, but listen, kids go to camp, it's summertime, everybody's vacating, going all over the place, whether it's in-state, whether it's out-of-state, whether it's on the water, whether it's in the mountains, whether it's across the seas, everybody likes summer. But then there comes that time in August where we're ready for school to start back. But, uh, so, but anyway, uh, camp is here. Where's Steve? I heard Steve Whitaker, great trip to Haiti, you didn't lose Zach. You got me confused there for a minute, but I'm glad you said glory to God. <laughs> it's a good trip, Zach. Bob, where's Bob reading? Bob's in the back, getting ready to leave for Sudan. You got a lot of work to do there, a lot of work. Bob, what will be your specific responsibilities? Working in finance there with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Bart right now is on the field in Honduras. Jim Frazier just got back from Honduras. Rob Sullivan is getting ready to leave for Honduras. We've got people scattered all over the place. Um, but you know, we don't have to go overseas to, to work for Jesus and to be on mission. And so we, may we always be reminded of that. We opened up a couple of weeks ago uh, with a new series called Breaking Free. We're going to continue with that today. Um, just to sort of bring you up to date, that theme of breaking free comes from the thought process. Man, it is, it's just, guys, it's really easy to come to church, to go about our Christian walk and act as if everything's okay on the outside, to perform, and yet things not be okay. It's easy for stuff to get caught up in the crevices of our heart and before we know it take root and end up doing tremendous amounts of damage and I don't want us to be that way I don't want us to be performers I don't want us to be people that walk around with a smile on our face when man we're just as angry as all get out on the inside but but it's that way a lot of times isn't it we're fearful of allowing people to know really truly what's going on inside of us because we learn early on to modify the behaviors based on certain environments that we may be in. And we learn that as a child. It's not something that, that somebody's got to specifically teach us, but we learn. We learn the systems of what's right, what's not right. 
And then all of a sudden, it's, as we get older, we cannot do business with stuff down on the, on the inside that really needs to be dealt with. And so we started out a few weeks ago talking about how do we break free from that bondage of junk that's down on the inside that has a way of just finding itself in the crevices of our heart and taking up root. And so we talked about um, what Jesus had to say. Sometimes we wonder, where in the world did that come from? <laughs> Jesus said, listen, I'll tell you where it came from. It came from your heart. It came from your heart. And then if you go back and you remember the words of Solomon, which I told you would be a great verse for you to memorize in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Solomon said, listen, he said, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course or the direction of your life. He said, watch out. It's a whole, a whole lot easier to pay attention to behaviors and to be careful about how you might act in certain situations or the activities that you're involved in. But Solomon said, listen, you, you not only need to be concerned about what's coming out of your heart, but you need to be concerned about what's going into your heart and to pay close, close attention because the things of the heart can be so, so destructive. So we talked about last week guilt. And guilt says, I owe you. Somewhere along the line, I've wronged you, I've hurt you, I've lied to you, I've stolen from you, I've robbed you, and I owe you. And we said the best way to deal with that um, is through confession. And we said there's two, two, two ways to, to handle that tension of guilt. We said, number one, pay back the debt. Find the person that you owe, that you've wronged, that you've hurt, and pay back the debt. Or secondly, go to that person and ask them to forgive you, to forgive the pain and the hurt that you've caused. But talking about confession... In dealing with guilt in those two, those two um, avenues of getting rid of guilt, it causes us to confess, and confess is not something that we're good at. We're, we're okay, Alan, as long as it's confessing to God, but if it goes to confessing to somebody else, that's a different story. I mean, we don't mind, Chip, going to, going to God and telling him, God, would you please forgive me for the way I've hurt Dan or the way I've hurt Tom or the way I've talked about so-and-so, but when it comes about going to that person and confessing that sin, we're not so good at that. And yet that's what the Bible teaches us over and over and over again because God already knows what we've done before we ever tell him. But the Bible says confess our sins one to another so that we might be healed. And we said last week that confession was a healthy habit for the Christ follower. But when we refuse to confess, it's so easy for life to get messier and more complicated over time because stuff just doesn't go away. And you know what guilt does? It eats at the inner core of who we are. It destroys us. And it not only impacts the relationships that we have, but it robs us from the freedom that God so much desired for us to experience in our Christian walk. And so we said last week that guilt is one of those things, those issues of the heart that can be done behind the scene that robs us, that it robs us and destroys us. But let's talk about something different today, another issue of the heart. Why don't we talk about the word jealousy? Any jealous people in here this morning? Probably not a lot of people want to raise their hand. But I bet you, you know somebody that's jealous. I bet you that you happen to know somebody that struggles with jealousy. It's just not you. In other words, you may say here this morning, man, I know my husband, he struggles with jealousy because his neighbor brought this brand new boat the other day. And that's all he can do is talk about that brand new boat. 
We might consider admitting that we struggled with jealousy as a child, but never as an adult. I mean, when's the last time you heard another adult say, man, I just want you to know I'm jealous? I'm jealous. I mean, just, just, just look at, at how thin and how trim and how muscular and how young that he is. And how things have changed over the years. Man, look, she can fit in a size three and here I am in a size whatever. But the reality is this. To all of us, to some extent, we deal with the issue of envy and jealousy. You might have people around you that you don't like and you don't even know why you don't like them. You just don't like them. But if you were to dig around and be honest, the reason probably that you don't like them is they've got something that you don't have or, or you've got don't have something that they do have. You wrestle. Maybe they've worked less, but they've ended up with more. Maybe their kids are the ones that always seem to be picked to be on the team or to be out in the front. Maybe they are the ones that chose, that were chosen, always seems to be chosen to get that promotion or that raise. And you really can't put your finger on it, but for whatever reason, you just don't like them. You don't like them. And we're so good about covering up jealousy. I mean, you ever made a comment like, you know what, man, boy, if I made that kind of money, you ever said that? If I, if I made that kind of money, I surely wouldn't spend it like they did. I mean, who in the world buys a Ford when you could have a Chevy? Who in the world would, would buy that type of boat when they could have this type? Man, look at all the money that they wasted. If I had that kind of money, there would be missionaries all over the field that would never do without because I would make sure that I used God's money for mission work. And we can cover it up. And sometimes we even use the words, well, that's not fair. But it's really not about fairness, is it? It's really about more. I want more. And they have more. So I'm upset. My feelings are hurt. I'm jealous. Why is it that I seem to work every day like a dog and I can't seem to keep my head above the water financially? How is it that they can afford that, whatever that may be? Huh? Where in the world do they get their money from? Somebody must have left them some money. Why don't somebody leave me some money? And we say and we think all of these things and it all goes back to the issue of envy or jealousy. And you know, the truth is, even if we could ever get our circumstances to change, it still doesn't resolve the junk going down in the depths of our hearts because jealousy is a heart issue. It's not the result of the circumstances or the people around us. I mean, because even if you were to get that new boat and if your kids were to get that, that position on that team and if you were to get that promotion, you still have the same heart. And as a result, it wouldn't take long for something else or someone else to be the subject of your attention because it's not about the circumstances or the, the people. It's about our hearts. And our hearts aren't right. The condition of our heart isn't right. And the problem with jealousy is that it's so easy for people to become the target. For people to be the ones that, that, uh, that we end up spending so much time 
um, dealing with or talking about because we believe that they are the reason. It's your fault. It's your fault. But when we think that way, we only hinder our relationships with others. But also, in addition, we experience there is no resolution because there is no solution to jealousy because it cannot be solved from the outside in when we're focused on circumstances or we're focused on, on other people. Because the reality is this. Nobody else can fix your jealousy, can they? And some of you know that because you're here this morning and you're wrestling and you're struggling with that. But it's just so easy to blame other people when there's stuff that's going on on the inside. But one thing that does make people jealous, makes jealous people feel better about themselves, and see if you can identify as when something that you're, somebody that you're jealous of, when something bad sort of happens to them. You ever seen that? When somebody that you've got these feelings or these emotions towards that you're jealous of, and, and all of a sudden what makes you feel better is when something bad happens to them, when they seem to fail or they seem to suffer. Oh, man, I can't believe that happened to you. That's terrible that your brand-new truck broke down and the engine just fell out. I can't believe your kids didn't make it on the team. Oh, my goodness gracious alive. Who in the world would have ever thought that? That's such a shame. Man, I can't believe you lost that election. I thought you had it won. And on the outside, you're saying, man, I'm sorry. But on the inside, you're celebrating. It's about time. It's about, God, about time that they get what's, what's coming to them. And here's the deal. The person on the outside that's causing the battle, the pain, the struggle in your heart that's caused the jealousy to surface, the reality is they aren't the problem. They are simply a reflection of another relationship that is suffering. Now listen, you better hold on today because it's going to get tough in here. It's going to get hot. And it might be in your seat that all of a sudden you feel like you got to go to the bathroom, especially when I share what I've got to share here because it's, we're going to think about jealousy from a different perspective. And this may be difficult to understand, but the person that you're really upset with when you don't get what you want, the person that you're really upset with is God. I want you to trace it back. I mean, if you peel it back, you dig down to the center of the issue, what jealousy really says is, God, I'm mad at you because you didn't give me something that I thought or I believe or I happen to, to understand that I think that I deserve. Jealousy says this, God, you owe me. You owe me. See, you owe me that kind of job. You owe me that house. You owe me that boat. You owe me those type of parents. You owe me that type of bank account. And anything else that I might want. Because I deserve it. I deserve it. And if we happen to put jealousy up under the microscope and we peel everything back, deep down the struggle isn't really on the outside. It's on the inside. The really... <laughs> Real, the real struggles with God because you think he's ripped you off. He's not giving you something that you deserve, that you think that you deserve. Because if God is ultimately in control, and stay with me on this, if God is the one that's ultimately in control, if God is the one who owns a, a cattle on a thousand hills, 
then God could have stopped the health issues that cause so much pain and suffering. God could have kept our marriage together. Even if it would have given, God could have given me a better job. But for whatever reason, he didn't do that. See, if God is in control and God is sovereign and God is over everything, really it comes back to, God, I'm really upset with you. And it's just not fair. But God never promised us to be fair especially when it comes to the distribution of resources and gifts and talents or skills. I'd like to be able to share with you a story briefly. We'll go through some in the Old Testament and some in the New Testament today. But in Daniel chapter 4, there's a story of a king, the king of Babylon by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king. He didn't follow the Lord, and yet he became very attractive and very uh, very attentive on watching the lives of Daniel and those other guys. They had an influence in his life for Jesus. And Nebuchadnezzar had had some dreams. One of those dreams, Daniel interpreted him. Basically, if you really want to run, run down to the end of it, Daniel said, listen, man, you better get your act together because some stuff's going to happen to you and you're not going to like it. It did happen just like Daniel told him it would. And so in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 This is what we see. After this time had passed and he had walked through some of the difficulties that Daniel told him that he was going to experience based on his dream. He said, after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned and I praised and worshiped the most high and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. Verse 35, all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the peoples of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? In other words, who in the world are we to question God? Nebuchadnezzar came to the realization that God does whatever he wants to. He is the one who gives wealth. He is the one who gives power. He is the one who gives strength to whomever he pleases. And it doesn't matter if we think it's fair or not. And even this pagan king comes to understand it's not about God's lack of love or it's not an oversight on his part, but God is very intentional in what he does. And yes, I understand. I know that there's a correlation between discipline and between hard work and between skills. But in the long run, God is the one who makes distributions however he wishes. That's just a fact, Jack. And some of you don't like it because you wish you had more. And then we find another king by the name of David who interestingly came to the same conclusion in 1 Chronicles, if you'd like to turn there. The book of 1 Chronicles chapter 29 verse 12. And these are the words of David. Wealth and honor come from you alone for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand and at your discretion people are made great and giving strength. And a little bit later on he goes on to say everything we have comes from you. And then in the New Testament, we find in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. And here's Paul, he's writing to the church, to the believers there. And in reference to the church, this is what he says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. That those of us that are in this room, listen, you're different. You carry about different characteristics and and different skills, 
Different spiritual gifts, but the God, the Father, is the one who gave them all. We all are different. Thank the Lord we're not all the same. But he said, you're different. There are different kinds of service, he says in verse 5, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. <laughs> the spiritual gift wasn't given so that you could lift yourself or glorify yourself. It was given so that for the edification of the church, for the building up, so that we can encourage one another. When's the last time you've used your gift for the sake of someone else? That's an oh me. Maybe that's a praise the Lord. When's the last time you've used your gift that God has given you for the edification, for the building up of the body of Christ? That's what we're supposed to do. That's what the body does. It fits together like a glove. He says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives some else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. And listen, He alone decides which gift each person should have. And God gives the gifts. And how does he give them? How does he distribute them? Oh, let's give a little 50% over here and 50% over here and, you know, 50% over here. No. Listen, he gives them as he wants to give them. You wonder why people are different and people are more gifted than you in some areas? It's because God's made them that way. You wonder why you may be more gifted in certain areas? It's because God's made you that way. They weren't given out evenly. But God gave as he decided because he's in control. And if we happen to be taking inventory of all the things that we have, listen, and all the things that we don't have, be very careful because I promise you it won't take long for you to become depressed. Man, that, that doggone John Johnson, boy, that brother can sing. Woo! Get depressed watching you, John. In more ways than one. I mean, look at, look, look at how smart she is. Look at how, how well she knows her scriptures, and I feel so intimidated. Man, I don't even, I even don't even like be around her because it makes me feel like I really don't know that much. I mean, if you start looking at what everybody else has and what you don't have, it doesn't take very long for us to eventually become discouraged. But we have to realize that our problem isn't really with other people, but the person that we're really mad at the person that we're really upset with, the person that we're really struggling with isn't here. The person that we're really mad at is God. Because God, you didn't give me what I thought I deserved. God, you owe me. And I'm angry. See, somebody else has become the target of your attention. Something else has become the target of your attention and your focus. But the reality is this. When you break it all down, really who you're upset with is God. And it's so important 
Because when we come to the place of grasping this and being able to accept this and understand this, it has a way of giving us a new set of lenses to look at life through. And it also helps us begin to clean out and deal with the issue of jealousy that can be so destructive. Because I promise you this, jealousy isn't something that's going to be out front. You're going to say, man, I'm jealous. <laughs> but it has a way of finding its way back into the depths and the crevices of our hearts. And it has a way of coming out in those moments when you least expect it. And when you want it to be hidden. And if we're to get honest, if we're to get honest, it would be a healthy conversation to tell God how angry you are with him. You're afraid to do that, though, aren't you? Because you're afraid lightning may strike you dead. See, I know you. I mean, if, if it really came down to it, you, you would be really afraid to tell God how angry and how, how mad and how upset you're, you're, you're. Because I know you. Because I'm the same way. But see, I remember the time that I had that conversation with God. And I remember how freeing it was when I, when I, when I really began to let my emotions show when I told God that day how angry I was with him. And I even shook my, I took it down fast. But I, I shook my fist at God because we had struggled for 12 years to deal, to have children. And then to think that here's Meredith pregnant with Abby and for us to think that we had lost her. And I've shared that story with you before. But I remember sitting in that room thinking that, that we had lost Abby. And I remember how angry I was, and finally I just blurted it out. God, I want you to know how angry and ticked I am with you. And man, I went off on him. He didn't tell me that I was a whiner. He didn't strike me dead, which he could have. But he still loved me. And it was a healthy conversation. But boy, was I angry. And I was angry because of all the wrong reasons, but the reality was I was truly angry with God when I broke it all down and I brought it down to the center. My, my anger wasn't because everybody else was having children and they seemed to be doing fine. My anger was, God, why in the world have you kept this from us? But it was a strong time for me. It was a, it was a healthy time. And after I told God what was on my mind, um, what ended up happening is that I, I realized that I remember that moment. I remember sitting there and I it was like a peace came over me when I, I came to say, God, I don't understand it. doesn't make any sense. But whatever you have for me, I'm going to trust you. Because I believe that you're in control. And I believe that you've got my best interest at mind. That's the truth. God, I can trust you even though I, things aren't going the way that I want them to and even though things, it seems like you're withholding something with me. God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you because I know that you're in control and I know that you've got my best interest at mine. But when we're dealing with jealousy, it's just so easy for somebody else or something else to, to be the target of our attention. Things that I don't have, things that I wish I had, and all of a sudden I find myself with jealousy taking up root in the, de in the depths of my heart. And see, jealousy isn't one of those things that we come to church, like I said earlier, and we tell everybody I'm jealous. And so you know what you do? You put a mask on. You put a mask on. 
just like you do with guilt. Because you don't want anybody to see the real you. Because you're fearful. If they were to really know the real you, they wouldn't love you. And the longer we ignore or deny the obvious, we will continue to wander through the darkness. And eventually every relationship we have will be impacted. But I want you to think about this for a second. One of the defining characteristics of a follower of, a follower of Jesus is how we love one another. And you will know that they are Christians by our love is what the scriptures have to say. And in 1 John or in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there's a passage that we read where here is Paul and he's writing to the believers there. And, and man, it's a passage that we read all the time at weddings. I mean, this is one of the passages that people love to, to recite or love to have be spoken at a wedding or other sp- significant um, time. And yet, but the, the, the scriptures here, there's a, there's a lot more depth, I believe, to what Paul is saying that deals with the issue of spiritual maturity as he talks about this is what love is. Because if, if we're supposed to love one another as a follower of Jesus, and if that's what, what's supposed to, um, to dominate my life, Paul said this is how we should live. And listen at the words of what he says of what love is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is not what? Love is not what? Jealous. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. In other words, there's no way that I can carry jealousy around in my heart and love other people. Think about that. There's no way that jealousy and love can abide in the same place. We can't love, which is supposed to characterize us as believers, when we're running around with jealousy in our heart. It's impossible because every time you see him or you see them or you see her or you see they, there's an excuse why you don't like them. There's an excuse why you don't want to be around them. And it's really not an issue between between you. It's really an issue between you and God, not them. But not, not you and them, but you and God. And until we get honest, we won't be able to address the issues of our heart that need to be addressed and exposed. And so we can love as God purposed us to love, but only when we get rid of some of the junk down deep inside that hinders us. Look at what he goes on to say. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, nor is it boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It does not demand on its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice. Remember when we talked a little earlier about, oh, I can't believe that happened to them. And that's opposite of where we should be at. We shouldn't want bad things to happen to people. We shouldn't laugh or smile when difficult things happen to people. But the Apostle Paul says, listen, when you experience that type of feeling, you begin to feel that way. That's the opposite of how we should feel. That's the opposite of love. But we got to figure out how to deal with that attitude because when we, until we do, we're not going to be able to love as God intended us to love. And you know this is true. Because you've seen jealousy divide relationships. See, you've seen jealousy uh, divide families. 
You've seen jealousy impact churches. You've seen jealousy impact friends. You've seen jealousy impact business partners. And some of you here are today are products of jealousy. And you may not admit it, but you know this, that jealousy drives a wedge, a deep, deep wedge. But the sooner that we recognize it and the sooner that we come to grips with the fact of, 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 uh, of embracing that, that jealousy is destructive, the easier it is for us to begin to, to, to look and say, okay, God, how do I get rid of it? How do I get rid of it? How do I, how do I deal with this? And so a couple of things as we finish up really quickly. First of all, you might want to write this down. If you think that God owes you If you're dealing with jealousy, don't just ignore it. Don't ignore it. If if, if there's something within your heart that that shouldn't be there, if if you're thinking that God owes you, don't ignore it, but admit it. Just say it, I'm jealous. God, I'm jealous because you didn't. And you don't have to take it any further right now. Just the first thing, just just acknowledge it. Man, I'm struggling with jealousy. I'm wrestling with the fact that they'd have and I don't. Just, just acknowledge it. Don't ignore it. Just acknowledge it. Admit it. If you're struggling with jealousy, don't put it off. Don't ignore it, but choose to admit it. Second thought, this is hard. Woo. Some of you might need to go to somebody and confess. If not the person, at least confess it to somebody. Man, listen, I, I wrestle with this because I feel like God owes me more than what I've gotten in for, for the longest of times. Man, I've targeted, I've targeted that Chris Bell. Man, I've, I've targeted Chris Bell. I, I've targeted Jeff Bell because Jeff is so good looking. God, I've been dealing with this. And I just don't understand. I need you to help me. So some of us just don't need to acknowledge it, but some of us need to confess it. And if it's not to the person, maybe it's to another person to say, listen, man, I just want you to know that I've been struggling with this. And why do you confess it? It's because that's what the Bible says to do, to confess your sins. That may be really hard to go to somebody and say, man, you know, I just want you to know I, I need to confess that, man, I, I wish I had a boat like that. But look, it could be a positive thing to guy say, man, I don't need this boat here. You can have it. See the blessings of confession? That's what can happen. So not just admit it or acknowledge it, but some of us need to confess it. And you know what? You you already know because the Holy Spirit's already probably revealed to somebody that if you're dealing with this, He's already probably given you a name or names. He's probably already given you a circumstance or a situation but you don't have to run from it. And just like we saw a healthy habit last week was confession, here's the third thing. This is the third thing. Celebrate. Celebrate the people that you tend to be jealous of. Listen, if you really are serious about jealousy and if you really, really are serious about breaking that, that bondage and breaking free, then you celebrate Celebrate them out front and personal. Man, (laughs) look at that boat. (laughs) 
Look at that. Look, look at that car. Look at that brand new house that they've got. Man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited that your kids made the so-and-so or they're on the so-and-so. Man, I'm so excited for you. Celebration. It's intentional. I know you think maybe you said you've lost your mind. No, not lost my mind because these are some things that I've had to do in my own life. Sometimes where I've had to say, God, I want you to break that bond of jealousy because it has a way of taking up, and I don't want you to take up, so I need to celebrate. I need to try to find a way to celebrate because jealousy is so subtle, and it causes division, and that's exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants to divide the body. He wants you to render you helpless, and he wants to put you in bondage. But that's not who we are as believers. We've been called to break free. And to be set free from those chains that can so easily entangle us. Some of you might say, well, that's just fake. No, it's an act of the will. That's what it is. It's an act of the will. You know, when Wes goes out and he catches more fish than I do, it's an act of the will to celebrate and put his pictures up on Facebook so everybody can see. Now, I can, I can, uh, I can put my face over Wes's body, you know, and I can make it, what do they call that? You, you Photoshop something in there. It's not fake. That's real. It's called, in, it's called intentionality. I know that I'm jealous and I'm struggling in this specific area, so I'm going to be proactive and I'm not going to allow the devil to destroy my relationship nor my life, but I'm going to break free from the chains, jealousy and envy, the things that have been holding me in bondage. I'm not going to practice them, but I, what I am going to do is I'm going to publicly celebrate the successes of those people around me. I'm not going to deny it. And you can think it's silly, but the alternative is this. To sit quiet and come to church every Sunday and smile. Jesus loves you. I hope something bad happens. Yeah. And you laugh, but I wouldn't surprise me if some of you have been there. Because jealousy will destroy us. So acknowledge it. Admit it. If you've allowed jealousy to impact your relationships and there's somebody that you need to go to and confess, if you're not willing to go to that person that you've wronged or you've hurt or that you've been jealous of, that have become the target of your, that have been the, the target of your jealousy, at least go to somebody else. Go to another person. And you say, man, I just need to tell you something. I need to confess this to you. But thirdly, Develop the intentional habit of celebrating with other people's successes and do it out front and in public. So the question is, to, as we close today, is, man, how's your heart? How's your heart? Are you struggling? Is there somebody that you're jealous or envious of? If that's you, are you willing to admit it? and Are you willing to get along with God and talk to him about, about that? See, I've always blamed other people. But God, I've come to recognize today that my real problem, see, my real problem is with you. I've blamed others. But God, really, my issue is with you. And God, I'm going to bring this to you because I don't want to stay in the same place that I am. 
I don't want stuff to grow in the darkness of my heart. But I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to celebrate with others so that whatever control that jealousy may have might be broken. And in closing, that's how we should live. That's who God's called us to be. Not to be held in the bondage of the things of the dark, done in the dark, but to be free and to love. See, Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he was resurrected. And that same resurrecting power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that we have. And we don't forgive because, or we don't, um, we don't move away from jealousy. We don't move away from jealousy just because we're good people, but only because of Jesus. See, that's what the gospel does. It changes things. And we begin to live as Jesus lives. Man, it's so impactful. Not only to us, but to others who are watching us. Because the truth is this. Every one of us in this room are a billboard for Jesus. Every one of us are a billboard for Jesus. Can I pray with you? Father, thank you for the opportunity to read your word and to take from your word your way of doing things. You've called us not to be envious or jealous, not to be boastful or rude, not to be proud. But Father, you've called us um, to celebrate um, and recognize that, that you are God and that you are in control. And Father, you don't owe us anything, but you gave us everything. You gave us your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to take our eyes off of other people that may have been the focus of our attention. If there's some of us here that are wrestling with jealousy, Father, help us to go through those little steps of first acknowledging, admitting it, even being willing to go to somebody that, that we've just been struggling with and confess that sin to them. If not them, to another person. Begin that process, process of rooting out and digging out that stuff that can just, just hold us down and Help us to be dumped, become uh, believers and followers of Christ that are experiencing freedom in new life because of Christ. Help us to put off the old, to put on the new. To be reminded, Father, that every day that we're in a process of, of learning. Help, help us be reminded of the power of the cross and what Jesus did for us. And that no longer do we have to be bound by by sin and its, and its uh, issues. But, Father, we can live in freedom is what Paul said in Romans. I pray for those that are, have thought of a name, has thought of a situation, and that even today we would begin to root out those things. Thank you for your word, for it brings life. Now help us to walk outside of these doors and, Father, to go do what the Holy Spirit has called us to do. Help us to be your instruments of peace, your instruments of love. Father, your instruments of faith and testimony in this community in which we live and work and play and worship. Help this community to be a better community because of the lives that we live. 
That's my prayer. Help us to be faithful to you and to you alone as long as we live these days. And for the person that's here that may not know Jesus Christ or have ever made a decision to trust and follow him, even this morning would they come at the end of our time here and say, Sid, man, I don't know Jesus. Would you talk to me about him? Would you tell me about him? Thank you for hearing us today. Be with us now as we go. And Father, we celebrate our fathers. And Father, also today I want to pray for Bart. Would you be with him and protect him while he is in Honduras working? And Father, I I pray for, for Jorge and for Rick and Mary and William and all the others that are in Nicaragua going through all the things that they're going. And I pray for, for Chandra and Sasmeet and their family and their missions and ministry in India and all the others that will be going. Thank you for safe travels for Zach and for Steve. Thank you for the continued work there in Haiti. May we be a light for you, Jesus, in these days that are so short and that are numbered. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.